Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hi, it's Richard and Linda Ayer from Ayers on the Road. We're so excited to be with you each week, talk about family, talk about parenting, talk about marriage, talk about balancing our lives between our work, our family, our church. What a topic. And you know, Linda, I'm especially excited this week because I know you have had this experience even more than I have, looking into an infant's eyes and getting the feeling that that little teeny baby is an older soul than you. Oh my goodness. You know, I get to go into the delivery room in some cases. Not all daughters or daughters-in-law want me in the room, but some of them really do want me in the room. And when I get to be in there, there is not a more magnificent moment in my year than going over. They always take the baby away from the mom while they fix up the mom and put it over in the lights and Try they to keep hand them it warm to you. For a they hand that baby to no, you. No, they put them in the little oh, okay, lot. Okay, okay. And uh, you aren't there, so don't That's make true. up the story. That's true. I'm just imagining it in my mind. Well, they had to put them in this little cot and under the lights, and that little baby's arms are just flailing and legs, and they're just screaming. And I love going over and just holding both those little hands in mine and saying, you're here, you're here on earth, and we are so happy that you've arrived. You're going to love this. Man. And it is so sweet to see them just calm down and um, see eternity in those eyes. They, it really is. All there. right, you've convinced me. I'm going to start going with you to the delivery room. You'll have a hard time getting <laughs> in. I'm sorry. You know, here's the funny thing. Our first babies were born back in the dark ages when they didn't even let the dad Go in and see the baby for a while. Oh my gosh, that was terrible. And then our second baby, I had kind of on the cot on the way into the delivery room. <laughs> so we didn't have time. Then our third baby, they were still trying to find you a, a gown that would fade because you were so well, huge. That's your fault, Linda. You and have the baby was already labors. there. I mean, but, Linda, we got a, remember we got a bill once from one hospital and it had a delivery room charge and I crossed it off and wrote Green's fee because the baby was really kind of born on the grass in front of the hospital. <laughs> you're, not, you're not telling the truth on that one, but it really is quite an incredible moment. Of course, it was breathtaking as a mother, but even as a grandmother, it is so amazing to be able to be in the presence of the birth of a baby. I believe there are angels in the room who have delivered that baby or have helped somehow. And it is absolutely a remarkable, unforgettable experience. Well, you know, Linda, the, the, some listeners may be saying, well, that's exciting, but what does that have to do? What are we going to talk about today on Ours on the Road? Well, we're going to talk about this wonderful thing called perspective and how parenting is kind of all about perspective and all about how we think of these little children. And we're going to kind of talk about the, the whole notion that well, I think it's a universal feeling. I've heard so many parents around the world, religious, non-religious, secular, different parents say, you know, sometimes you look at a baby, especially if it's your own baby, and you just feel that that's an old soul, that 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 there's something more there than just an instantaneous creation of genetics and of biology. There's something more. And people just feel that really deeply. And we feel like, you know, in fact, that feeling really, Linda, is what led 
to the book we're going to be talking about today. It's a book we wrote many years ago, but we think it's in a way even more relevant, and now it's relevant to us as grandparents. But it's a book called The Change That We Call Birth. And the story is, is an, maybe you'll find it interesting, we had written a book earlier about death, and, and the name of the book was The Birth That We Call Death. And we talked about that book here on, on Ayers on the Road on our podcast just a few weeks ago, if you're interested. But anyway, it was a book that became a bestseller because people wanted the comfort of thinking of death as a birth into another world or into another state of consciousness or whatever. And so a few years after that book, we were having some of these same feelings, Linda, about how how remarkable these children are and how they're more than just a little helpless infant. There's something in there. There's something ancient and powerful within those eyes that we see. And it was that thought that led us to say, well, let's write a kind of a companion book. We've, we've done one now called The Birth We Call Death. Now how about doing one called The Death We Call Birth? <laughs> we didn't want to call it that, though. So we said The Change We Call Birth. And it's an attempt to kind of give us a perspective of where do these little infants come from? How should we view them as their parents? And can that perspective make a difference? Well, you're so nice to always say we, but really, you wrote this book. Well, I was taking care of newborn babies. <laughs> no, um, that's, that's probably wrong. why. Well, in that case, you're wrong. This is a co-authored book by you and me. No, yes, no. it is. Yes, it is. I can prove it to you by showing you the book. This is co-authored <laughs> by Richard and Linda. You know what? Iyer. All I remember is taking care of the baby. Maybe I had some insights. Because oh, of that, but you had all the it insights. Had to do with a new baby. I was just the scribe on that thing, but it is a co-authored book by both of us, and I'm so glad it is because, let's face it, if you were to ask anyone who knew us or who didn't know us, who had the most perspective and the most insight in looking into the eyes of a new infant, they'd all point at you. <laughs> You'd point at yourself. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Let us read you a little poem that we sort of started the book with. We, we put a little poetry in here because we're trying to talk about ethereal things that are sometimes easier to talk about with a poem or a story. So this is a poem called The Baby Shower. Recent birth in the neighborhood. Nothing is sweeter than a new baby, unless it is new parents. They're proud as punch, sure, sure, that history's premier human has just arrived. I give them something, booties, perhaps, or a blanket. What I'd like to give them even more, much more, is an introduction. I'd like to introduce them to their own child, to have them meet the reality behind this tiny disguise. Parents, I would say, meet your brother. Baby, I would say, meet your brother and sister. Respect each other, and I would add, and remember, your true relationship and your shared father. If you do, you will serve each other in your common goal of becoming as he is. So we wanted to kind of get that feeling there, because again, it's our finding, and you listeners know that more than half of our speaking is to secular people, groups that don't have any particular tie to a religion or to a spiritual paradigm. And yet even among 
the most secular folks, even among those who sort of claim that they're atheists, we often run into this feeling there is something to this baby. He came from somewhere. And it reminds a lot of people, it's, it's amazing, Linda, how many people know a little part of the Wordsworth poem that we love so much that says, mm-hmm. that describes a baby coming in and says, uh, the baby arrives not in utter nakedness and not in complete forgetfulness, but trailing clouds of glory do we come from God who is our home. And then they leave out usually the most important, most important line. Heaven lies about us in our infancy. Yeah, love that. that's the key, Linda. Heaven lies about us in our infancy. There is a reverence about a newborn baby. It is amazing. And that, a, I was going to say, there's all, go ahead, and then I've got a little story. Well, this might detract a bit from your story, because I have to say that, you know, there's, there's a, a certain amount of time when we can give a baby license to be beautiful and lovely and calm and sweet and all that. And then... Oh, before they turn there crazy on us? There are some <laughs> that are, are really hard babies. I mean, we have a daughter who had a, a colicky baby, but I have my sister's daughter had a colicky baby who was so colicky that she wrote to her mom and said, Mom, if there was any way I could mail this baby to you, I would do it. <laughs> I would send it right I over. Well, the story I was going to tell is a little, I think it's funny. I hope you'll think it's funny, but it also has quite a message behind it. And it's a true story. I was sitting one day on a Sunday in our living room, and in came our youngest daughter, Charity, who was four years old. And she came up to me, and she demanded my attention, as she was wont to do. She was a very direct and precocious child. In fact, she grabbed my face and looked, made me look at her, which is what she did. And she said an incredibly shocking thing, Linda. She looked me right in the eye and she said, you're not really my daddy. And I'm like, what did you say? And she said, well, I was in Sunday school today and my Sunday school teacher told me that heavenly fathers are real daddy. So you're just my brother, she said. And I... So I thought, well, that's okay. And I patted her on the head and said, that's really nice, Charity. And then she wasn't done. She said, and I've been thinking about it, Dad, and I think I'm actually your big sister. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm, wait, I said, wait, what's your Sunday school teacher's name again? She said, well, she said, I can't remember exact words on this, but she said something about, well, the teacher said, maybe God saved his best children to come last and so i might be your big brother anyways it was a funny thing but then i thought that is powerful perspective for parents because if we would view our children not only when they're infants but when they're preschoolers when they're in elementary school when they're teenagers if we could continue to view them as our equals as co-equals if we could even say you know if the order had been different, if you'd happened to come 30 years before me, you could be my mom or my dad instead of my son or my daughter. If we have that perspective, it gives us a sense of tolerance and patience and respect for children that we would never have if we only thought of them as little biological creations of our own bodies. Yeah, but that's hard to keep in mind, you know, when the baby is keeping you up all night. Um, the, our, our youngest child, actually the first child slept right through, you know, 
six weeks, we were sleeping well. Yeah, the she last was a one, dream. two and a half years. She <laughs> Without never sleeping. Slept the whole night. <laughs> Honestly, I remember going to church and saying, people asked me if they would, if I would do things, will you do this, will you do this? And I thought, they have no idea. They're talking to a woman who has not slept for two and a half years. <laughs> well, and you know, that reminds me, though, Linda, of another experience. I remember early on, I think it was with that, maybe our second daughter, I had a meeting the next morning. It was an important one. I needed to get sleep, and this baby kept crying. And you were sound asleep on this occasion. I'm good at that. And I didn't want to wake you up, so I did the noble thing. I got up and went in and grabbed that little baby, and I was mad. I mean, I was like, because I, I checked that the diaper was dry. There was a bottle. She wasn't hungry. She wasn't wet. There was no reason for this crying. And just about at the time when I was really kind of angry at this little bundle, that thought came into my mind. Hang on, buddy. If it, if the birth order had been reversed, this could be this little baby could be your mom holding you, and you could be crying, and she could be impatient and angry with you. And right. that's a perspective we've got to hold on to. It makes such a difference. It's pretty amazing. So let's take a little break, Linda. And when we come back, let's talk even more specifically about how perspective of who our children really are can impact how we parent them. All right, so hang on, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back with Ayers on the Road, talking today about one of my favorite topics, babies. Little babies. Newborn babies. Newborn babies. But babies as they grow as well. You know, when a new baby comes into the world, Linda, it's it's a pretty big change for a parent. <laughs> I mean, your whole life as you know it, especially really? if it's your first baby, just basically explodes. And what do you think the, the first lesson is that, that a, a new parent learns who just has a baby for the first time? What a good life they had before the baby came. <laughs> It really is tough. New babies are such a wonderful mixture of joy and enjoyment and awakenings and change and so on and joy and really just joy. We're going to share a couple of little thoughts from this book, the birth or the, excuse me, the change that we call birth. And we're going to try to get a little practical here and share some ideas of, of how you can think about it. And one of the things that, again, trying to get inside the head of that little child and see things in a way that respects him, you think it's a new time for you as a parent? You think it's a brand new shocking revelation of a new phase in your life? Think about the child. This is a little infant, and if you believe, as so many do, that that spirit comes from somewhere, that it was somewhere before it came here, that it's an old soul in there, Think of the change for that. Suddenly, this old soul is in a tiny little baby body, totally helpless, flailing its arms yeah. around, not knowing what is going on, and, and trusting its entire helpless little self to you. What are your credentials? You've never had a baby before. You don't, <laughs> you don't know the first thing about it. And here you've got this, this other person who is completely trusting you to take care of them. I know. It's so true. I mean, that poor little child. 
Um, this reminds me of a funny story about a man facing surgery for the first time who was laying on a, a hospital trolley, waiting to be wheeled into the operating room. And seeking to calm his fears by talking about them, he attempted to start a conversation with a young woman who happened to be standing near. You know, he said, I'm really nervous about this operation. It's the first surgery I've ever had. I'm glad you mentioned that, said the young woman, but don't worry too much. You see, my husband is the doctor, and this is his first operation, too. <laughs> <laughs> so that makes the Just point, right? You hear. think you're nervous. Think how that little baby feels coming along and, and trusting you uh, for the very, very first time. Let's, let's try it. We tried to summarize that with another little poem. I'm going to do that one, honey. This one's called Two Fears. We remember well how one felt, but not at all the other. One is young, the same age exactly, in fact, as our oldest child. The other is slightly older than we and just out of memory reach. Both were happy fears because a large measure of anticipation was included, and we were both times following our own choice. But the fear was real. The first one, unremembered but revealed, was when we stood high with God, looking down at uncertainty, change, exhilarating, terrifying agency, and at the inexperienced brother and sister into whose hands we would put ourselves helpless. The second fear, only 20 years later or so, put us on the other end of the formula, parents this time, to a tiny spirit brother, knowing we were not ready hoping the real Father would compensate for our weaknesses and work through our fear. Now, isn't that the this feeling we get? He, you know, it's that. like, it's like um, and that's why a lot of, we've run into a lot of people who say, you know, I'm not a religious person, I don't pray much, but I pray for my children because I feel so helpless. And, and remember, it was Abraham Lincoln who said, and we don't know if he was talking about parenting, but he sure could have been, he said, there are times when I am driven to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I have nowhere else to go. Right. And that's how parents feel a lot. So parenting really becomes a spiritual experience in that regard. And we should remember that and we should be glad. And it's almost like we go into an advanced form of life, you know. You're, you're kind of a beginner before you have a baby. You're, you're trying to learn how to take care of yourself and how to get along in the world and how to do your best and how to form relationships. And that seems pretty hard. But then you have a baby and you're into advanced mortality. And it makes that old stuff seem like, you know, mortality 101. And now you're in graduate school. And the problem is you think you do have it figured out after you've had that first baby right. for a year or two. <laughs> right. And then you get another baby, and he is entirely different than the first one. There's, there's no resemblance at all. It was like, wait, this didn't work. This worked with him. Why isn't it working with you? It really is the most glorious, difficult, joyful experience in life. Here's another little poem to try to capture that a little bit. And this expresses our belief, but again, this is shared by a lot of people. We believe in a two-way eternity, forever backward as well as forever forward. We perch now on a moment of mortality called the present. The fulcrum between never-beginning past and never-ending future, just a pinprick of time in a vast sea of eternity. But this is a turning moment. 
On it pivots the meaning of before and the hope of after. For here we change from spirit to soul. And here we change from child to parent. Two changes God made deep before, which allow us to follow him. And that's kind of how we feel. This birth, this whole thing about birth, this whole thing about the beginning of a life is a very, very sacred thing. Well, it is it's indescribable until it happens to you. And whether this is an adopted baby that's placed in your arms as a newborn or yeah. a foster child or any any other bunch of scenarios, it is such a magnificent experience. Difficult, yes, but also so well worth the trouble. And don't you think, Linda, that it's where you first begin to really understand interdependence. I mean, you're so interdependent with that baby. Now you say, wait, he's just completely dependent on me. But we become emotionally dependent on the child. We, we find a form of love, a form of love where it's completely selfless because the baby's not going to do anything for you, and yet you love that baby more than someone that could do the world for you. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's hard to explain until you become a parent. We were just talking to a new parent yesterday, or at least a parent who had tried so hard, first of all, to find a husband and then found a great guy and then to go through all the in vitro stuff and all the stuff it took as an older mom to get pregnant and now has three beautiful children. That's not always the case, but in this case, she was expressing just exuberant joy of having this experience because she thought it was something that she never that did, she'd never have. have. Yeah, let me let me try a little test on you, listeners. Um, I'm going to read you a quote and see if you can tell me who said it or even when it was said. Here's the quote, word word for word: Our children are disrespectful. They do not rise when their elders enter the room. They rebel against authority. They are more influenced by their peers than by their parents. Well, perhaps you thought that was somebody who said something today or yesterday, maybe your neighbor. But guess what? That is a direct quote from Socrates. And And he said it 2,500 years ago. (laughs) 2,500 years ago. So... The next time you're feeling like, oh my gosh, it's never been this hard. Kids have never been this difficult or disrespectful. That's what Socrates thought. So the the point is this parenting, and a lot of young parents feel that. I mean, so many baby parents say like, man, there's never been a baby as hard as this. There's never been this bad a case of colic. There's never been a baby that never let his mother sleep for, you know, 10 nights in a row, on and on. Yes, there has. Maybe that happened to Socrates. Yeah, they could have. <laughs> or his wife. Or his he wife. probably slept through it. I don't think Socrates got up with the baby. That'd <laughs> Somehow be I don't think so. Know, wouldn't it? it would. So there's just all this stuff to think about. I wanted to also mention that... Um, Uh, This is kind of a little story that you might find interesting. A young mother expressed a feeling that many new parents have felt. We recently had our first baby, she said, and we were sorry my parents lived too far away to be with us for the big event. We finally visited them last week, and it was wonderful. They take as much joy in our little son as we do. What was even more amazing, though, was the change in my relationship with them as we were talking. 
I suddenly realized that something had changed between us. We were talking about the baby, and they were mentioning some memories about me as a baby. And I realized that I understood my parents now in a way that I never could have before becoming a parent myself. We could talk in, in a way that we never had before. It was as though we were talking horizontally for the first time rather than vertically. I felt I knew them in a way I never had before, and I felt like we were so much more alike. Isn't that interesting how your relationship when you become a parent changes with your own parents? Because now you have this enormous thing in common. You've both experienced birth and a baby. And, and if you're a believer in a heavenly father, can you imagine that maybe having a baby of your own makes you a tiny bit more like that Heavenly Father, and maybe a tiny bit more capable of understanding the love that He has for you. That's a beautiful thing. A tiny bit is a good way to say it. A yeah, tiny a tiny bit. Just a little. Just getting us a little closer to something that really is divine. It really is a divine feeling. It really is amazing. Now, um, now think about it. Let's just think about that for a minute, Linda, to carry that a little further. If, if you take that comparison literally and you say, well, God, okay, if we think of God as our Father, and many do, many, many, that's the name that, that we call God, then can we learn anything from his parenting that we can apply to our parenting? It's an interesting thing. And we listed a few. Um, let's just read them to you quickly. Let's alternate for a minute. It really is interesting. There are a lot of similarities. Laws, for example. He gives us laws designed for our moral happiness, complete mortal happiness, complete with built-in punishment for those who break them and do not repent. Number two, sacrifice. God gives us all we need, not all we want. And that's what we need to learn to do with our children. A plan. He has a plan for us called the plan of salvation. He does not leave our well-felt progress to chance. He, yeah, did, that, he gives us a plan to follow, and we can do that for our and children. And don't we have a plan for our children? I mean, sometimes we, we need have one. To help our kids to come up with their own plan, but we do have a plan. Yeah, and then number four is initiative and agency. God gives us our agency so we can grow. He gives us counsel. He gives us advice. He responds to our initiative and prayer, but he gives the initiative and the agency to us. Another interesting one is teaching. To the extent that we will listen, he continues to teach us always through his spirit and his scriptures. And we could go on. He's available. We should be available. He communicates. We should communicate and so on. There's so much more here I'd like to to cover Linda, but we've only got another minute or two left. And I think I just I think what we want to do is really share with you this deep feeling we have that, you know, we could we could give you or you could read and we could talk about a million methods or techniques or ideas for how to be a clever parent and get kids to obey and on and on and on. But sometimes the most important part of being a parent is not an idea or a technique or a method at all. It's perspective. It's realizing that this child is equal to you and that you owe him as much respect as he or she owes you. And even if that's a three-year-old or a 14-year-old or whatever, respecting that child and remembering that they came from the same place you do 
will make you a better parent and a more enlightened parent. So we hope that gives you something to think about this week. It really is amazing to remember that they are special souls from heaven and that we are their parent, but also their partner in learning. And if you want by any chance to read this whole, it's a little book. It's a small book of about 70 pages, but it's free. And you can get it on IrsFreeBooks.com. And it's called The Change That We Call Birth. And we love talking to you about a different aspect of parenting and family every week. And we'll see you next time on Ayers on the Road. Bye-bye. Have a good week. 